0: on this episode of African Retooled. Look at the young ones right now who are doing the same thing I do now. They're they 14 years old, they're 13 years old. What makes you think that you're going to stay the same way for the next few years? They will outdo you. Look at people who are older than me and then head of risks and stuff like that. They'll tell you they've been in the industry for 15 years, but after 15 years, they've learned nothing new. So there's some people in banks who don't like me when I present to their management because I'm a threat.
1: Do you have the tools to face the future? Welcome to African Retooled, a podcast where Chris and Martin, two African recruiters, will explore the changing world of work. Where students come to
2: learn and gain insights into the world
1: of work, discover how
2: they can continue to tool themselves with skills of the future, where managers will explore with us how to confidently navigate the complexities of future work in order to be key disruption agents and remain competitive where CEOs, business owners come to understand the evolution of work, allowing them to leverage on emerging roles and remain competitive and achieve their objectives.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to yet another edition of African Retooled. Today we are joined by a really phenomenal individual. Um, He has achieved phenomenal success at a very tender age in an industry considered quite technical and in some instances still shrouded in mystery. He's well-published, well-respected um, in the IEEE. He has written a lot, um, and you know that's, that's a professional society um, and a professional qualification society within the engineering field. He's a senior executive in the cybersecurity space, currently working with Dimension da- Data in the region.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. so, yeah, so um, uh, Martin, I think over and above um, the amazing credentials you have just enumerated, Um, our guest today um, is very similar to us in many ways at African Retooled. Um, He's passionate about talent. He has set up alongside his uh, friend uh, uh, an organization called Africa Hack-On Mm -hmm. and um, he'll talk to us a little bit more about it but it's really about inspiring the next generation to take on um, different areas and different skill sets Mm -hmm. and he's focused on cybersecurity, and he'll tell us a little bit more. I hope I'm not speaking out of turn. Not but not um, I think just his ability to inspire and not just keep his skill set to himself and continue to talk and engage different groups. I mean, we are probably sixtieth f- uh, in line to find him, <laughs> but we're lucky. So we'll we're very lucky. Very, very lucky we're time. very lucky that yeah. at least we finally got him. Yes. Um, we felt it was important that someone of his um, of his uh, abilities should definitely share. With our, with our audience as well, so that we can inspire them as well. So today, uh, we're very fortunate, Martin. Yes. As always, on the African Retool, we have secured an amazing guest. Secured security. Security, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I think, uh, yeah, so we must, uh, we must uh, be very happy because um, this is a great opportunity for us to engage with them. So, Karibu sana, bright daktari oh my goodness how can you how could i (laughs) even do that? he is called dr bright Gameli. i heard him pronounce it that
0: way yes
2: i am not even gonna try and pronounce
0: the last one it's very easy (laughs) mawudo
2: mawudo yeah (laughs) how yeah you must know now
1: Rate us, rate us on our on our uh, I'll, 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 I'll give you six out of ten. <laughs> oh my goodness! By the end of this program, I'm sure we can, we'll be a ten out of ten. Yeah. So zero.
2: welcome, Bright Gameli. So thank you very much. Yeah. Um. I think off the bat. Um. And I've 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 heard and listened to you speak to different audiences. Yeah. I hear all of them starting off by apologizing for giving you any bad looks, for abusing you inadvertently. So that you don't end up hacking them. <laughs> don't do anything sinister. We switched off our Wi-Fi when we knew you were coming. <laughs> we just want to make sure that uh, we apologize in advance. Yeah. Should we say anything that is out of turn? <laughs> forgive us.
0: Forgive us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Forgive
2: it. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. <laughs> so, <laughs> karibu sana to African ritual. Santa
0: sana.
2: Um, I guess to kick us off. Right. Um, we want to talk to you about, and this, this, this season happens to be a season of data privacy conversations. Yeah. And we wanted to understand from your, from your side, why is, should cybersecurity, data privacy concern an everyday African? Why is it of any concern to any of us? And what is this thing about cybersecurity anyway?
0: Yeah. So um, if you look at it a few years ago, a let's take it back even 10 years, nobody was really worried about who can get access to what I have, what I'm keeping, my information being out there, my pictures being out there? Nobody really cared, you know. Um, all of a sudden, that's become the number one um, zone of things that you want to protect, mm-hmm. which is your life, because details about you getting out there in the wrong light, you know, you know so on a social media platform becomes something which can affect you forever. Somebody's searching your, your name right now. And the data that comes out can be the reason why you don't get the next job or the next gig because it's all a Google search or a Bing search or Yahoo search if they're, if they're still there. <laughs> so um, cybersecurity is, 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 is a thing of now trying to see how can I secure my, my, my assets, my systems, my, my, my environment, or anything that is, I'm in possession of. And a lot of it comes from a personal part of you and also from a, of an organizational part of you. On the personal part is your data, your privacy. Uh, that, that's very confident, confidential to you. And on the corporate side is what asset of greatest risk that can make them not to actually operate for the next few hours. Um, because if, you, if if you shut down for the next 10 minutes of 10 hours, you know how much money you're going to lose because mm-hmm. of the kind of business you run. Uh, because no business shuts down ideally in this day and age, yeah. So cybersecurity is all about how do I get to secure myself, my assets, my my life, my privacy—something that will not get to basically just not get to the wrong hands. Right. That's how it is right now.
2: Right. Um, so we're curious to understand from you. You've been in this space uh, from our research you were very fortunate to start off very early in your life. Yes. At the age of six. Yes. I mean, that's our whole story. How you, 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 you took your dad's computer and yeah. you just found your way into MS-DOS. Yes. I mean, that's an exciting story. Yeah. But we're curious. So it's, you've probably been in this space for over 15 years. Yeah. Over, over 20 even. Um, what has the evolution of cybersecurity been in Africa? I mean, um, what, has, what are some of the interesting things that happened 10 years ago that are not happening today?
0: Um. <sighs> That, that, that's a very good uh, question there. Um, so things have changed significantly, especially. So when I was in South Korea about seven years ago, um, I was thinking to myself, I wanted to go for, you know, I used to go for conferences in South Korea um, and I used to be pushed by one of the intelligence agencies who said, look, we'll pay you just to go for conferences and learn things and come tell us. That was the job. <laughs> Nothing malicious. And my job is just to go find out other talent that are out there, what are they doing? And I ended up actually presenting at some of those conferences, uh, like Codegate and the likes. Then I saw other things such as um, Black Hat, Con conference in the United States. And I said, I need to go for one of those conferences. Problem was money. I don't have the cash to fly <laughs> to the States. I didn't have the means to go there. I'm still in school. I'm a student. Um, I was doing my masters at the time. I was like, "Hey, you know what? If I can't go, let me just create my own." And um, so a few guys that I found on Facebook, we chit chat. Um, actually, one of the guys when I was leaving Cellulant, where I used to work in 2011, no, 2012, I got this guy called Gav. Um, Lesia told him, "Hey, can you come replace me?" And he was he was just finishing school as well, but he's a guy in cybersecurity. I'm like, "You seems like you know your stuff." So he formed a Facebook page. We started talking there. I'm like, it's quite a number of people who are here who know cybersecurity, but everybody is spread out. Nobody's trying to teach each other or come together. So I'm like, why don't we form our own DEFCON or Black Hat in Kenya? Mm-hmm. So we changed the name Africa Hacking Conference. We're like, I know. Kenya Hacking Conference. We're like, no. we like, so we kept on changing the name so many times before we landed on Africa Hackon. So... We added one of the legends in the industry called Tyrus. Um, A lot of people know Tyrus Kamau. Right now, he's more of a Zulu meet. (laughs) Uh, But Tyrus has been a person who has inspired a lot of people and was one of those grandfathers of cybersecurity for us in Kenya. So we added him to the WhatsApp group, decided to add another few other people, and we became almost like 10 of us. You know, we're like, well, we know our stuff in different domains. Why don't we come together and let people speak about it and let's inspire people to actually... Talk about cybersecurity a bit more. So we didn't have money. <laughs> Let's start from there. We didn't have space. We're looking for sponsorship. We talked to CAK. We talked to SafariCon, We talked to a lot of corporates. Um, and there's only one person who came through for us. At the t- Two people. Two companies. There's IEEE. One, because I have published papers in IEEE. So that gave me some sort of mileage. And IEEE gave us 50,000 Kenyan shillings. And BWC gave us a whole space on the... On, on one of their spaces uh, at um, Delta Towers. And the day before Africa hack on the first Africa hack on guess what? We didn't have people who sign up. Uh-huh. We needed about a hundred people minimum to pay for the food. Uh-huh. So one of our friends was doing catering. So she's like, she was still cook, <laughs> but we need to pay her. We need to find a way to pay for that. So that 50,000 uh-huh. was already down payment. Uh-huh. But we needed more than that. As of 7 p.m., we only had about 12 people signing up. We were like, hey, do we shut down this conference? Because we are only charging by the way a thousand bucks mm-hmm. to make it as cheap because DefCon and the likes were expensive. Um, by 8.20, we started getting an influx of sign-ups to the point we had to call ticket SASA and say, please <laughs> shut down that portal. <laughs> yeah, to me, we can't take more than a hundred. Shut it down, shut it down. And the next day, people came flooded it was full and you know we even give free tickets to our friends um uh, try to give influencers like can you just give your friends to come you know we tried so we did it it went well but i was in my my in my sense i think it went well but again i was like we have learned a lot of mistakes from that Either we, speak, we spoke too fast too technical or the smoothness of the transitions. Uh, people don't know how to speak. That's when people got to realize that they don't know how to actually speak in front of people. Others were shaking. Others started talking about things that nobody will understand. You know, So we took lessons from those. Um, a few fell off after that. Um, others stayed. And I said, you know what? So I actually used my own, my, my own money to fly back to Kenya for that. And ever since then, we just kept on running it every single year. Seven years down the line, a lot of people have changed. People who there was one guy called, called Peter. Peter was an architect, architecture student, right? So we said Africa Hackon will not just do the conference, but, and then wait for a whole year to do another conference. So instead of going to universities, speaking, teaching people to do a two-day boot camp, totally free, all we asked the school is provide mandazis mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and some soda. And every school was accepting us to do that. So, for example, at Jacob we've gone there twice. We went to Daystar, we went to Ku, we went to Strathmore, we went to so many places, and that became an, a thing. You know, started forming communities in their schools where people can just have their own cyber and just inspire them to start thinking they don't have to always be programmers. That's what they were all thinking. That life has to be about software development, software. Development. I'm like, no. Somebody will create, somebody has to break it. So why don't we get to have a way of being able to show people how to break things and tell them how to repackage it? So Peter, for example, was passing through and saw their green screen and people are talking about something. He's an architecture student. And once he walked into that room, he never practiced architecture after school. <laughs> He's a full, he became a full-time cybersecurity engineer. Work for Testbook, then got to, is it Morocco? He's now in Morocco, doing a security incident response and everything. Wow. So he's never practiced architecture. Wow. And I'm like, if somebody who is completely off tech started learning from scratch, why can't anyone do it? So we sort of kept on doing that. And um, four years ago is when I started seeing that, okay, the older yeah, the older ones, I'm talking about 25 and above, Yes, so the older ones. yeah, those are the older yeah, ones. That's, that's now considered old. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we in the, in this kind of space that we are in right now mm-hmm. in cybersecurity. You're old when you're 25 going up. Wow. Uh, so 25 and above, meaning you finish university, you have some sort of idea about where you want to get into. But how can we change the next generation? You know. So my our 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 slogan is nurturing the next best talent in Africa for wow. cybersecurity. So I, I came across this kid called Michael Chesang. He reached out to me via, from YouTube for the interviews he's seen about me. And he came to to Africa Hack and I told him to come. And this kid, I just let him play around with all the other engineers and experts in the team. And they all love the way he's enthusiastic about of stuff. And he's like, look, teach me. I'm like, you know what? I don't mind. I'll teach you. So I used to spend almost every Sunday with him just, you know, tinkling with things. He's tried to learn, he learned Linux operating system in about six to eight hours. Just like, just how do I do this? How do I move this from that? I'm like, you think of Windows. Whatever you can do is Windows Ask me those questions, how do you know, command prompt? And that was it. Then I went to, um, I was called by a CAK for um, one of the safer internet days with total Watch, and I was supposed to be the guest speaker. So I was outside, <laughs> trying to I was making. A, I was on a phone call, actually. And I'm hearing somebody speak about cybersecurity. I'm like, this person speaking sounds like a pro. But I'm not considering myself the pro only there, but this is someone else who is okay. sounding just like me. <laughs> so I, I, I walked in, I look at him, I'm like, I, who's this guy? It's a young kid. You know, he's, he was at 12 years old, called Joseph. I'm like, okay. He's not looking at any paper. He's just speaking from his head. And I'm like, wow. So when he finished, I told the teachers, can you please call this kid for me? And can you please link me up with the parents? I want to actually mentor this kid uh, because there's a hidden talent here that nobody's seen. So I, got the, I gave my card to him and the mother called me and I actually drove to their house in South B. It was in Langata. And we spoke, spoke to the dad, said, please just allow me to teach this kid. All I need you to do is drop him at my house on a Sunday um, with another Michael will also be there and I'll do the rest from there. And when they're done, I'll drop them back home. So you don't worry. If there's a need for an Uber, I'll do it. But usually I'll just, I'll just like to drop them myself. So I started doing that every other Sunday for these kids. And in a year, this, they are presenting at Africa HackOn. They are coding like crazy. They are they're doing amazing things. And I started using that to get other kids Now, so we call them Africa Hack on Legends because they're the legends right now. There are only six of them. And why did I choose those six? Some of them even came from Instagram. Can you imagine? People DM me like, I'm interested in cybersecurity. And I keep on getting that every day. I said, read this article. What research have you done? What have you you read about cybersecurity? Get all of that information before you come to me. So part of these six are some of the kids who say, I've tried this box here, I've tried this, I've tried to learn this, I've read about this, I've read that, and I think I only need some guidance to move to the next step. I'm like, now you've, you've earned the respect to be in the group, then I can add it to the group. So you can imagine that there are hundreds of people who come reaching out to me that way, but there are only six in that group because of quality. Because I don't want to make it too easy for them as well. I do not spoon feed. I tell them, Google, if you don't get the answer come back to me and I can guide you. Search, ask questions in the group. So I don't like them DMing me on the side and asking questions. I'm asking the group because that's the only way to share. The reason why I kept on doing that is because I wanted to create a ripple effect as well. So they teach other kids in the school, in the schools, in the communities, their friends uh, list. Most of them, their parents don't understand what is this cybersecurity. Why is my son getting into hacking? Oh, a one lady, by the way, as well. (laughs) And this lady's a brainiac. Like, so she's brilliant. And I'm just like, why do we. Why, so I have to explain to the parents this is not a bad skill. Mm-hmm. Cybersecurity in hacking is not the same thing. So if you look at it, people think hacking is all bad, you know, because it's all the negative connotation that you get on the internet. Mm-hmm. They've hacked into this, the US government, they've hacked into that, China this, US that, Russia that. So they're different kinds of hackers there is what you call a white hat hacker who usually gets to protect systems but knows what kind of hacking is about or have an, has an, or have an idea then we have the black hat hacker who just wants to destroy their job is just to go all out and try to destroy something not just to get information destroy then we have a gray hat who's in between the two so i'm a gray hat because i learned both sides of the skills to be able to know. But if you actually get, if you get me pissed off or you actually touch my family, I'll come you move for you. Black. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <move laughs> black.
2: Which is why we <laughs> apologize at the beginning. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, someone tried that before. Someone tried to actually stalk my sister. Yeah. And my sister was very young and this kid would not let go of her. Mm. Always trying to find a way to what she's doing, sending messages always. And I'm like, you know what? You keep on blocking the numbers. But the next one that he uses, give me that number to me. And I got a friend at DCI and I reported the case and I just wanted a location of this guy. I got to go see him. Then I spammed his phone. So I sent him. So he gets a missed call at least five or six times every three seconds.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so his battery was draining. Then I silently sent him SMSs mm-hmm. so many times that his battery drains. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't get the SMS but it gets, it gets to him but he doesn't see it. Oh
2: my goodness. <laughs> then
0: later now started flooding him it's called an SMS bomber. He gets uh-huh. 100 SMSs at once. That time, Mr. Farika was given SMSs for 20 shillings. Right. Mm-hmm. For unlimited. I flooded him and I said, let my sister go. Like I really, I gave him hell. So anyway, there's some times you have to do things like that. Um, sometimes you have to just abuse the skills. Uh, I have a, I wrote a program. It's a script actually that I wrote that I can send an email from you to him mm-hmm. without you knowing uh-huh. It takes 10 seconds to do that. <laughs> right. So some people don't pay me. They didn't pay me for a job. I did. So I do consultancy on the side. Right. Um, so I did a job for someone. He owed me 300,000 kind Kenya of shillings. And I'm like, yo, it's been five months. Mm-hmm. I keep chasing you for that money. So I sent a message from him, so him to himself. Mm-hmm. So you know how freaky it is that you send <laughs> yes. an email to yourself <laughs> yes. and you did not send that email. You
2: need to pay bright.
0: Yeah. <laughs> then I'm like, this is a reminder for you. Then he wasn't paying, so now I sent an email from his finance director to him and him to the finance director. I kept, kept playing a ping pong between the two of them. Mm-hmm. They tried to fix it and everything, and I'm like, you know what? If it, it, took, it took less than three days they paid. Full amount. <laughs> Full amount. So I'm like, I'm, I'm not abusing my skill. But I just want to get the attention of somebody who thought I can do a job for you. You don't want to pay me. Mm, It's just ridiculous. Right. Anyway, so that that, that is on the general part of hacking and Mm, everything. Uh, On the corporate side, we have different teams that people have. Right. We have people which we call the blue team. The blue team are people who just try to protect, trying to see um, what is happening, check the firewalls, check the logs, and try to block the right things. Right. Then we have the red team who just try to poke holes everywhere. Mm. So red team wants to find a way to to take control over the network, your systems, via email or flash drives or network, whatever it is they can do. Um, And some red team exercises are really amazing. I'll tell you one of them. Then there's a purple team who do both. Mm. Yeah, purple teams have both skills, protection and being able to actually do offensive security as well. One red team that I did in a bank And they said, go all out. So have this authorization from the CEO and the head of IT. Test our security to see how how bad are we Mm -hmm. or how good are we? You know, so when doing a red team exercise, you expect the blue team to be able to detect anything that is happening. You expect them to be able to tell you what was it. So this bank is in town. Okay. For confidentiality's sake, I'll not mention which one (laughs) is in town. Mm -hmm. One of their branches. There are many branches. So, upon searching the internet i knew the head of it sits at the branch in town but his house is in south b he's muslim that means this guy has to go to the mosque on fridays so i got him a meeting <laughs> outside of the office on a friday afternoon at around uh, tw- around 12 thereabout. meaning right after that he's going to go to the mosque and by the time he wants to come back to the office Traffic, so it's not going to come back, right? And for that fact, I, just, I needed him out of the office because he'll be the only person who can identify us. I came to the, to the bank previously to ask for details about loans. You know, why I came to do that is to notice the doors, the boardrooms they have, if they have any. And I told them I wanted to do a, I want to show them something, my financial details on the presentation. Reason why I did that was because I want to see which one has a video conferencing facility. Mm-hmm. Do you know why? No. Because it has a network port. My ah, goodness. That was, that was my main aim. So <laughs> I faked an email from the head of IT2, the front desk lady. She did not know. Now, the blue team was supposed to notice that, yes. but nobody noticed. It actually went through. I was crossing my fingers that it goes through. She did not reply to the email if she did the IT manager would have seen mm-hmm. but it did not re- she did not reply that means we sent it just before we came right. so I sent the email right when she got it we walked in and said we are from ABCD company we're here to um, see this guy let's call him Mohammed Yeah. Uh, said, well, Mohammed's not around but he said you should wait for him in the boardroom called
2: such something name, yeah. let's
0: say call it Africa Retooled <laughs> <laughs> so we walk into that room and I knew we needed some time. And I know the boardrooms usually in the middle, they have a, a, a network port and then they have right. some spaces to keep cables. Right. So I, as a socket there. Thank God for me. <laughs> a socket being there, meaning I could plug a power yeah. uh, power, there. power source, yes. And I had a small device that is as small as that charger, like mm. really tiny. Plug it in there, plug the LAN cable, give it power and I left it there for the weekend. It gave us access to the entire network from home. So that whole red teaming exercise of trying to hack into network, we can do it from home. Added ourselves. That's basically a whole computer you've put. Yes. But that thing is tiny. It's a small device. Okay. We call it a packet scroll. Packet scroll and everything. So we just left it there. Unfortunately for them, they had one of the big fours who was coming to do an audit. But some of the audits, which I don't understand how some people do audits, is they gave this guy an administrator password to the core banking system. Mm-hmm. The network wasn't secure. The monitoring wasn't working. So we were able to actually sniff the traffic, and lo and behold, the password was right there. <laughs> sniff, it was going through, it was basically bouncing back. Yeah.
2: Because
0: it's communication between server and that person's computer. He had a Windows 7 machine as well, unpatched. And if yeah. you haven't been unpatched, meaning that it's not secured, it's not been updated. Yeah. Meaning yeah. you can exploit it very easily. Yes. So we exploited that machine, had access to the core banking system, the network, the HR system. Payment was going to be done on Monday. We actually added a fake account number as a fake user to the portal for 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 for, for the finance for, for the, finance, uh, the financial system and they paid. They actually paid salary to a, a very to a ghost. Oh, goodness. You know, so that is basically some of the things that we went all out. Of course, we wrote a report. They had to change a few things here and there. Just a lesson for them as well. And they took it nicely. They were like, we're actually glad that you did this. And um, we'll make some changes. Wow. So that is part of the red team. It's usually a very fun job. Uh, we change people who do things. Others that I try to do, very simple. Got a bank manager who is a bank again. We well, I can't get into the bank it was highly impossible for me to even walk into a boardroom because yeah. it's one of those places. So I said, nah, they need to get this guy outside of the office. If you Google this guy on Twitter, so I, I did a whole research about the area, but do you know you can actually use, they very simple tools to say where we are right now you can find twenty or thirty people who actually use social media around you. Yes, yes. Okay. yes. Twitter, yes. especially. I've seen you demonstrate
2: a couple of times on. Yeah. On the, yeah. So you
0: start Twitter profile. We profile. We are trying to match that against the company, and we realize, hey, there's this guy who's the bank manager, one of the one of the IT managers. He's talkative. He's very loud mm. on Twitter. Mm. If you try to have a chat with him, this guy, well, you don't want. You will not win. So just just forget it. So he's boastful. That's trait number one. He used to go to Brew every Friday. <laughs> By 6 p.m., 5.30 or 6 p.m., he's there. He's always on Johnny Walker. His boys are on beer. And they thi- switch to Johnny Walker.
2: All this you're picking from his social, social media? Social media. Right.
0: So I knew he likes tall, slender, light-skinned women. So that's the kind of women he would like. Took three ladies with me. Two are definitely his type. The third one, not really. But you see, looking at me, the way I dressed with the three ladies, there's no possible way I have a thing with all three.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: One has to be free or two has to be free. <laughs> so when I got there, I spilled his, his drink Yeah, okay. on the the, was on the glass. I'm like, I'm sorry, sir. Do you mind if I get you another glass? In fact, let me get you a bottle. I'm just, I'm just trying to apologize. Mm-hmm. And we're looking for space as well. <laughs> so he's like, ah, come sit. He stood up, gave the ladies a seat, he told his boys, get up. The boys of you obviously are seeing that, hey, they yes. might have a chance here as well. Yes. And I obviously bought a bottle of Johnny Walker. He's like, ah, you're a Johnny Walker person as well? I'm like, yeah. Well, I'm not really a Johnny Walker person, but uh, at that point I had to be. <laughs> <laughs> so I took a little bit and I had to stay. So, but the ladies knew what they had to do. And I was out and about. So he knew I'm not even interested in the ladies. Yes. The ladies got every information they needed. They said they work with their IT students at the JQAT. They're about to do their project. They're just finishing. They got antivirus details, what technology he uses, how he keeps his passwords, how he does things. Because they want to learn, they're like, Can I do an internship with internship with you? It's like, yeah. yeah. Send me a CV. In fact, your project, you send it to me, I'll, I'll help you to finish it up. We can even meet up to finish the project. Mm. Uh, if I copy my secretary. See, he's a bossful guy, so he has to show yeah. his boss. So we created a virus, <laughs> which is the program
2: the
0: CVs. for the CVs, and also the program that the lady is supposed to submit for project. So there are two ways we're trying to see. You have to spread your risk and see which one will actually work. Yes. So send so one to the secretary. She opened. It was a, mac- a macro embedded inside the <clears throat> how do you call it the, Excel, the Microsoft Word document. It activated the moment she opened the document, and it looked corrupted. And she, she opened it and that was it. Bingo. So we got the, the secretary's machine. That's nice. Then He himself opened the, the tool, which actually showed a program, but in the background, because we've already tested it against that antivirus. We knew it was going to bypass it. Bypassed it. We searched his entire machine. There's a file on his desktop called passwords. And that was bingo. Everything. The key to the entire kingdom. And that was that was that was easy social engineering one one. Yeah. So yeah. I think
2: that, that's. I mean, I think Martin, if if the question around why is this important to us yes. has not been answered, then mm-hmm. someone's not listening. Yes. This is African retooled. I think we're very clear now, Bright, why cybersecurity <laughs> conversation is important. Yeah. Um. I mean, the social and and what is interesting is um while there's a technical piece to it, a lot of these things, and you, you've talked about it in some of the other conversations you've had, it's around humans. Yeah, or, it is. It's just human behavior. Yeah. So there's also a, 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 a space for people who are in the cybersecurity space to understand humans and how to manipulate them
0: that, that to gain access. We, we had to learn. I had to read the, the way the, the brain works. So part of my PhD research was actually on that. Right. Because it was was focused on creating the right cybersecurity awareness for a country. Right. And for that, I had to find out how does a human brain work? How do people think? How do they perceive things? And ever since then, I've been speaking all about cybersecurity, cybersecurity. And that has been, I've done approximately 132 public presentations on cybersecurity. And Mm. most of them is all about awareness, which goes to also the level of, the sea level, you know, mm. most people at the top don't ever think
2: mm.
0: that they will be a victim. You know, until they become a victim, they don't really think there is a concern. So the human element of cybersecurity is one of the greatest parts before even the tools and the lies come. Yes. You know? Yes. Because they, they're the first the finance guy will be the first to shoot down that budget that you want to Absolutely. do. Absolutely. Yeah. But the IT manager or the IT security officer would be like, but well, we need to buy this, we need to buy that. So Yet he has to learn what's going to really work for the company, mm-hmm. however, the management also has to understand that this is really important. there's a risk that we're going to expose ourselves if we don't invest right. in cybersecurity right. Right. which is awareness and for the tools can come in as well
1: yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. there's something very interesting that's, that's coming up, um, and that you know we, we've talked about it a lot when, when we, we were talking about the future of of legal, remember? And we were talking about the ethics. Yeah. So where, where is that line that we draw? Um, and what makes the behavior ethical? What makes it unethical? And and who is judge and jury over this?
0: Well, there are standards that have been set, and there are... I mean, the, the, the law part of things is actually coming up these days. People have been locked up in the past. Um, we saw someone, on the famous hackers called Kevin Mitnick, uh, one of the world-famous hackers who... Abuse social engineering back in the day, you know, has been locked up, was locked up before he cut out. Um, So we started seeing the legal part of things coming up, but now it's where it's really getting heavy. Um, You saw the whole hash papi was being extradited from Dubai to get prosecuted, someone being locked up because of cybercrime. Kenya is the same thing as well. Um, So far as you're going to touch someone's life to make them uncomfortable and destroy something you are legally going to be liable for that. So, uh, because you're, 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 de- you're destroying something. So the natural flow of things is not as, as it's supposed to be. Um, if I come and shut down your Wi-Fi right now, you can actually prosecute me for it if you have evidence. Mm-hmm. That's where the difficult part comes in. How can we make sure, what's electronic evidence? How can we, how, What is admissible in the court of law? How can we make sure that we get the right evidence that has not been tampered with? I've been doing that kind of speaking two years ago to a lot of lawyers in kenya was jumping from lawyers to lawyers and their their um the training and that is always coming up and i did that with plo uh, lumumba mm-hmm. and we're trying to this to dissect electronic evidence and how people are supposed to collect because we now you know we need lawyers to be able to understand that part of things as well not the technical but what can they collect what is the process of collecting how do you process those details how do you keep that information and how do you actually present that to the court of law so that is why a lot of people are getting away with it because there's no clear standard of how cyber security cyber prosecutions are supposed to happen uh-huh. so you see somebody steals in a bank they're not being they've been caught red-handed but there's no proof because have, you haven't put systems to record such activities or pinpoint who did what, and they use that to prosecute against them. Mm-hmm. So the cybercrime bill right now is, is actually something which is, um, is been taken into consideration and we just need a lot of cyber lawyers to start coming out, understand, or privacy lawyers to say, IP lawyers, I'll, I'll put it that way, understanding cyber law and being able to apply it in a practical scenario, get right experts, know what tools are supposed to be used, forensic investigators, be able to actually get those information, present that and actually prosecute people yeah. right now.
2: You, you you raise an interesting point when you talk about the, the bill and, and the fact that we're actually really looking at our policies. Mm-hmm. But how in your experience, how seriously is Africa taking the conversation of cybersecurity? And the reason I ask is because we tend to be seen as behind a lot of times mm-hmm. with a lot of, when it comes to technology. But we have financial services, I mean East Africa happens to be the hub of financial services in Africa. That's true. Um, you, have a lot of, um, you have a lot of large organizations in Africa. So there are, still ven- there are still reasons to secure our organizations here. Yeah. Yet we don't seem to be taking it as seriously, at least from my own, from, sitting from where I'm sitting. Yeah. But from you who's in the industry, what, what's your view? Are we taking it seriously? And, and, and what is being done about it?
0: People are taking it seriously. Um, It has changed significantly. Mm -hmm. I won't lie to you. Um, If I look at just a few years ago, even less than three years ago, Mm -hmm. people never thought they would have to start thinking a lot about cybersecurity. We even have committees. We have a, how do you call it? We call it a risk committee. Mm -hmm. Risk committees are now almost existent in in every organization, Mm -hmm. uh, which is something I love to see now. I was actually going to join one of the board of directors for one of the microfinances. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think politics got me not to join. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, some people, someone felt threatened because, again, being young, younger than them, yeah. um, became a thing of, why should we get this guy to join the board mm-hmm. to make me look bad mm-hmm. at my job? So I wasn't admitted. Uh, but, yeah, is getting to that point of people they are getting, they're waking up and I'm happy that a lot of board members are taking this seriously. What I actually see or what I foresee to do in the future is a lot more board have somebody who is cybersecurity aware or a risk manager or somebody who is in the security space to be part of the board. And they should get presented with reports, They should get represented with trends. They should need to understand what is new, what, is, what, what makes them not to sleep when it comes to cybersecurity it should be on the back of their head every time they have their board meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, apart from the senior executives as well. S- mm-hmm. Same thing. They have to always keep on knowing that they could be the one to let things I mean, things into the network or systems and the likes. Every time I do any kind of phishing campaign, phishing is um, trying to mimic a page to, see, to get somebody to click on a link yeah. or to submit information. Easiest way to get into any corporate environment. Wow. And it would be the number one mm-hmm. way to compromise anybody right now or any organization, right? We've been seeing that on Instagram with a lot of celebrities. We've seen that in organizations. Every time I do that for corporates, it's usually senior managers who I get easily.
2: Wow.
0: Not even the juniors.
2: Wow.
0: So the, yeah. The,
2: so the, so while, while they are indeed taking it seriously, and, and, and from our research, there seems to be a spike in cases now that people are working remotely yes. in, in this um, pandemic period. Yeah. Um, so attacks are increasing. Um, we're obviously becoming a little bit more vulnerable. Um, but the challenge we're seeing, especially for us recruiters, is that there's just not enough skilled professionals in this area. That's true. Number two, again, because of, and an, you've demystified it quite a bit for us, but it still seems like such a, an area that's shrouded in mystery. There's obviously a negative connotation when you talk about hacking. Yeah. Everyone seems, why do I want to go and become a thief? Yeah. Or learn to become a thief. So all those negative and, and really wrong perceptions.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, again, because the people who are now doing the jobs in the companies that you've you've enumerated are overburdened or um some form of burnout because it's, yeah. it's too much work.
0: Cyber fatigue. Yeah,
2: cyber fatigue. There's just so much attacks every day. The company I work for, I'm told, attacked every second. Yeah. So it's 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 hard for anyone. And while there's automation this is still a hard yeah. so, so you still have people churning from the industry and saying, "Let me go and do something that's lighter." yeah so how are you in the space addressing that, um, that, 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 that gap yeah and and then what can we do to, to actually um, increase the number of people interested in this space
0: yeah, so that's a very good question um, um, and that has been the majority of things that I've always wanted to do when I formed Africa Hackon. Mm-hmm. I don't make money out of it. Mm-hmm. I've never paid myself out of Africa hack on events, but I just want people to learn. And that's what I'll forever do. Giving people the the, the platform and, and advice. I'm always talking to people. I call them with my own credit for them to be able to just change their ways to cybersecurity. And that has been changing. So mm-hmm. the skill gap is closing. Mm-hmm. We just need organizations. or so Even recruiters like you to be able to understand exactly what to look for. Mm. Because I see uh, job postings asking for a security engineer and they put ridiculous amount of things that they needed to have. Mm. The thresholds you know, are too high. They're too high. Mm. Or even software developers, you know, they ask asking for, for things to be done. In, I mean, years of experience on things. And I'm like, no. We need to start looking at simple things. For example, if I'm going to hire, I'm one of the guys that I hired actually, he did not have a he, didn't even, he never had a certification. Mm-hmm. You know, now it's why he's writing certifications. But he told me he has done. He's, he's built his own lab at home. On his CV, he wrote that. I have my own lab. I've tried this box. I've tried this vulnerable machine online. I've tried now. you have something called hack the box. Mm-hmm. Hack the box is there. There's try hack me where you can actually try machines that are virtually available for you to see how to learn your hacking skills, right? Legally. And he said, I've tried this, I have at this level, I have this level, I'm at this level, it's my points. He even took a picture of the you know, wow. that impressed me and I'm like, I need to hire this guy. He's proven himself. Later he can do certifications to show or to prove to other people okay. that I'm actually good. People are changing. There are WhatsApp groups that I'm part of right now, about four of them, and they're all cybersecurity and the different versions of people who are in there. Some are cross platform, but others are in in, in various media that, that that giving out a lot of information. We do, uh, it's, a, it's a company called Microsec. Mm-hmm. So Microsec and us, we actually do um, workshops every Tuesday where we do a webinar telling people about security from 7 p.m. to about 9 p.m. every single Tuesday and just giving chances to people to bring out their skills and they learn. So I think is how to get them the jobs is also it's another thing um, and organizations need to know how what kind of skill set do we need in the organization how do we determine these people are actually authentic
1: mm.
0: that authenticity is what is very difficult because you don't know if you're bringing in a criminal yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know yeah. background checks are easy to, to do mm. um, with uh, yeah to pass and everything yeah, yeah. but how can you measure sure that this person you're bringing in is actually authentic that's why I think in the future, we need to have a certified body, you know, an association where you have to be, um, you have to show your credibility. And uh-huh. if you are, if you're found to be guilty or potentially being investigated and everything you can be blacklisted uh-huh. and it should be known. Anybody should go to that database and search for Bright and see, is Bright really worthy of ABCD to work here? Uh-huh. So that would be my thoughts, but... There are so many guys that I see doing amazing things. Um, this, um, so recently, we, they have been, what you call, capture the flag or CTF, as we call it in short. And this CTF is Global Challenges. Yeah, you know, they put up a challenge, a CTF, for you to try break into, get some flags. We call them flags, which is either a password or a code. Um, it's like a hide and seek, <laughs> mm. you know, go crack this. And some of the kids formed the group and their job is CTF players. They just want to play CTFs. And as I'm talking right now, even at 2 in the morning, these guys are still playing CTFs. It's like a video game now, mm-hmm. right? My mm-hmm. young mentees are also part of such things. They came number 17 worldwide, one of the CTFs, out of 800 entries. Wow. 17 for the Kenya team. That's that's big. It's big. It's big. Actually, some of them won it. They won, they're going for a competition, I think, next year. Or sometimes this no actually this year, to go represent in a in a in a bigger how they call a city of challenge, mm-hmm. so they're doing cryptography, they're reverse engineering, they're doing um, I mean black box hacking and all of those kind of stuff. And when you see the kind of conversations they're having there, it shows that level of skills they have. They just need to now be able to apply that in organizations, but mm-hmm. the organizations have to create that space for them. To say we need an application security engineer. We need a network engineer, we need um, a threat intelligence engineer, we need somebody who can do firewalls only and then everything, or even an endpoint detection and response engineer of various skill set and has to be defined well. So I think the definitions of those positions is what is really lacking right. and very difficult to actually, but the, the case are that, they're all looking for jobs every now and then. Mm. And it's not even, even internships, it's not easy for them to get internships. Then, the other part of it is probably called a back bounty program um and actually, so i hacked the some sometime back, um, <laughs> but I did it as a way of trying to stop something bigger from happening, yeah, and I talked to them the the security head, Anthony kashanja, and he Tony was he's very open, yeah. you know um anybody who knows Tony' is just like, ah, you know what? tell me what you found. I was in Korea. Yeah. He called me. We had a conference call, and I'm like, "It was A, B, C, D, that, that, that." He's like, "Okay, we'll go secure it." Thank you. And when I came to Kenya, he gave me and my friend who we did the hacking a phone. I was I, I was appreciated. Most organizations in the other countries, like the states, actually have what they call bug bounty programs, mm-hmm. where you're legally allowed to break into systems and you get paid for it according to the bug you found. Right, so Safaricom actually activated that at Africa Hackon wow. Yeah, they call it through the company called Hacker One. So, Hacker One would, go, would do that whole processing of finding if this bug the person has found is illegal. I mean, is it real? And the level of, of the bug, and they paid them. Mm-hmm. They've paid out more than three or four million, oh, more than four, four or five million Kenya shillings currently in Kenya to Kenyans.
2: That's nice, which is
0: nice. So, you see, these kids are just using the skills, even though they're not hired by Safari.com directly, they are actually making money on the site. Yeah. Do you know there are people who have jobs as bug bounty hunters?
2: Wow, okay, that's
0: freelance, that's what they do. They, yeah. don't, they don't want to work in the office, they wake up hunting for bugs mm. in organizations. So, they check, let's say, back crowd, back crowd has a list of companies who are part of the back bounty program, and they go hunting. They look for subdomains, they look for applications, they reverse engineer, they try to loop. In that case, it's also cheaper <laughs> for the organization to actually um, find bugs without hiring a full-time person, which is more costly. Headcounts are very expensive, you know exactly. that. I found a bug in one of the ISPs in Kenya. I can change your TV channel when I'm here with you for somebody who's at home. I could change your speed. I could actually shut your internet down I could sniff to see whatever is happening in your house. When I try to tell them politely, like I need an NDA before we even continue, but there's a bug in your system that can potentially lead to a lot of risks. They're like they don't want, they don't want to listen to me. You see, but that case I can't go and show them their evidence because if I do, I'll be prosecuted for that. Yes, they can. They can prosecute me if they have evidence that I was there, even though they will never find me in the system but that is one of the ways that I said I'm like if they had a back bounty program that would have been easy for me to report that and get paid very little money yeah. but the value you're going to get from that is bigger Great. you know because Great. you have to pay somebody millions of shillings to get that same bug mm. but you pay maybe 100,000 200,000 to somebody who found that bug and you go fix it yeah. so I, that's one of, something I would encourage a lot of companies to start looking to Set aside money for people to find bugs in your system that you can actually pay them legally to find those issues and you can actually secure them and to make you better. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <clears throat> so some of our audience are young, budding cybersecurity professionals. Yes. And, and And what we try to do on the show is not just showcase what is happening today, but what is likely to be coming up or emerging. Yeah. And so from your experience, what do you see? So there's two questions, but let's just start with that one first. Yeah. So what, what, what is coming up? What do they need to be aware of? Um, we, we've heard about AI, machine learning. How does that play out for their careers? Um, is, is that something they need to be thinking about? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, right now, the world is moving to automation. Mm-hmm. Hackers are automating mm-hmm. their, their, their ways of getting to companies. Um, that means we also have to automate. So anybody who's trying to get into cybersecurity right now has to start thinking of a little bit of coding mm-hmm. as skills, or understand coding inside out, and also have to learn of automation. Machines will never replace humans entirely, because some decision level making has to be made. So um, anybody who's going to get into security has to know, has to get those core basics. Right, right now I'm seeing a lot of systems that are coming to help automate to make things from four hours to eight seconds to be done. How can we make sure that we plug into that and be able to make sure that we can do the right thing? So skills, the skill set has to still be, the basics have to be gotten. A lot of people try to jump that gun. What are the basics? Basics is, and I always tell these people, people that get basic HTML. <laughs> you okay. know, It might seem, seem very simple, but it's really necessary. Mm-hmm. HTML, CSS, Java, PHP, uh, JavaScript, right. I mean, JavaScript mm-hmm. PHP, that's basics. You want to understand those basics. Then you move on to the next step, which is operating systems. Learn Linux operating systems. For security personnel, I'll say one called Kali Linux. Mm-hmm. Learn Kali Linux. There's so many books. If you Google Kali Linux tutorials, trust me, you'll find a lot. Mm-hmm. Then you move to computer networking. Um, they can do a course called N+, plus, or just understand how computer networks actually work. How does a server talk to another one? How do I even set up a web page? Mm-hmm. Uh, how do I create my own server and put my website there and see the code appear on a website? Right. How do I set up my... How do, how do computer networks actually work in systems? After understanding those before you even go to the basics of cybersecurity, what is ethical hacking? What is hacking? What is an exploit? What is a vulnerability? What is a threat? What is a risk? Understanding all of those basics and even trying to have that conversation with anybody is really important. Then you can now move on to solutions, right? Solutions that has the security on top of known solutions like AWS, Azure, mm-hmm. um, anti-malware solutions that are out there. Also, understanding how they work and how to, excuse me, implement them. So there's a, there's that progression progression that you have to take. Some people try to jump from basic HTML straight into understanding Azure AWS and they don't know exactly how to come back at it. You know, mm-hmm. they go back and forth. So you spend more years trying to get into that industry than rather to getting those basics. Not everything about cybersecurity has to be technical, which is another space. People think I have to be a technical person to know everything. After getting the basics of coding. I'm not saying be a pro coder. I'm not a very good coder. Trust me. I understand code. I can read code but I'm not a person to code from scratch. I'm not a programmer. But if I understanding the basic cybersecurity, what is the risk and all of those, you can get into the governance aspect of things. Mm-hmm. So look at courses like CISA, CISM um, and, and the COVID-5, you know, where there's governance and there's understanding what risks are, compliance and, and policies. Because one thing I'll tell you for a fact, every startup in Kenya right now don't have policies, mm-hmm. cybersecurity policies. So what if you steal the password today and, or steal data from the company and you go share all the data to another competition? I can't prosecute you. Mm-hmm. I'll be happy. I'll be, I'll be angry, but I can't do because there's be... no policy that I've signed <laughs> saying if I take out data from the company, which is confidential, you can prosecute me. There's a consequence.
2: That is so profound.
0: Then that's going to be the next big place. Now that we have the Data Protection Commission being set up in Kenya, right? we have a Data Protection Commissioner, I'm so waiting to hear her come out with some guidelines. That is going to be the next big concern. Do you have policies? Do people understand the policies? Have they re-signed?
2: Have they signed against (laughs) Have they signed against it? Yes.
0: Otherwise, you're just going to have... People running around with the data they're on your on a computer. Is 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 the laptop yours? Were you given by the company, or is it your own device? If it's your own device, how are you managing that um, content that they're going home with? What if the person tells you the laptop is lost? Then all of a sudden, all your confidential data is at the competition. You cannot say anything. Mm-hmm. You get Good it. So there's that governance part of things. People forget. They try to buy tools and tools and tools and tools, and they forget that. There's some part of things that they just can't secure with tools. Mm-hmm. It has to be some sort of human aspect of it. I have where, I mean, there are places that I've, been, I've actually gotten people arrested for violating security rules and policies before, mm-hmm. like handcuffed in Kenya. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. And I said, there's evidence they actually did ABCD, coinciding with the CCTV camera. Because even the TV camera, the data that we had a data retention, they had a data retention policy which I helped them create. So that says we went to the archive to check mm. and produce that in the court of law that according to the camera, this guy was in the office and whatever action happened happened from his laptop, his machine. It was his user account. He sent the email. He took the file. He did ABCD, and the logs also proved that it was him. Mm-hmm. So he can be arrested. And he paid a fine for it. Mm-hmm. So, policies are really important. Um, a lot of people who will get into the governance aspect of things will be lawyers. Right. So, I usually encourage a lot of lawyers to start looking into create, how to create policies, how to, ref- how to review or refine policies for organizations um, using policy indexes. There are like 40 policies organizations are supposed to have, generally. And those are the people who want to have to understand risks. And there's so many various courses that are out there. So people get into that. If you check a, a site called Cyberry, you get almost those free courses. If you check a free code camp, you get free coding tools. Mm. If you check Plural Site, you get a lot of those courses absolutely free. And if you're a student with your student um, web, um, email, most websites like um, Udemy, Plur- Plural Site, and likes give you courses for free, or they're even cheap right now and i think the pandemic brought out a lot of those and i'm happy ish that it happened because courses that used to be $1000 are now $3 yeah. $4 they're getting cheaper if you go to udemy for those who don't can spell it is u d e m y some people say udemy and everything <laughs> it depends on where you come from <laughs> udemy yeah. yeah udemy has a lot of free courses and i just encourage people to go to such places uh-huh learn about cybersecurity, learn about data analytics. That's another area that is coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've seen, because everybody's hosting data on their systems, but they don't make sense out of it. Um, so the future is not just the cybersecurity space to secure that data, but how can I make sense of the data that I have? Um, so yeah, that's basically how, so that's the future of um mm-hmm. Of cybersecurity and tech that yeah, I'm seeing that's yeah, going to happen yeah, is going to blow yeah, up very soon yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. so, so you've you brought out some some interesting things there. Um, if you're looking at, at, at how the future is, and, and you know what, what I listened to is the 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 professionals or even the, the, the people learning are evolving a lot faster than the companies mm-hmm, are, mm-hmm. Um, are ready to absorb them and, and so as, as we were saying earlier the world has never been flatter than yeah. it is now uh, because the skill sets you're learning can be used anywhere in the world. Um, you know, the internet has helped us do that. In, in, your, in your own thinking, when you're looking at it from the, 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 the diversity and inclusion lens, yeah. are we encouraging more uh, ladies to do this? Um, you know, you said in your group of six there, there is a lady yeah. who's in there. Why is there still that disparity between the number of guys interested and the number of, of ladies interested um, in oh, cybersecurity? You'll
0: be surprised. Huh. So out of Africa HackOn, when I started it, I started a mentorship group um, when I was in Korea. And out of that were, were, four la- were three ladies out of the 10. And those three decided to form what they call hacks.. Mm-hmm. So she has came out of Africa, Hakon. I think that um, the lady. Yeah, yeah. and she hacks so they always hosted us Safari Com and everything and, yeah. and other places. She Hacks was she has came out to just show people, we ladies can also do cybersecurity and we can do it very well. So they host conferences, they're hosting, they're, they do a lot of workshops, a lot of webinars. They're expanding to other countries right now, and they're just brilliant. So. They are there because, and the reason why when they formed she Hacks, I told them, form your own WhatsApp group. I don't want a single man in that group.
2: <laughs> Do
0: you know why? Because in the WhatsApp group that they're part of right now currently, they don't speak. The men are very vocal, right. but they are very quiet. And also because they feel some people, you know, and then there's, there's a different levels of people I see in the group. Some people who feel that they don't know anything, so they can't speak. So I made it a rule that even the WhatsApp group that I'm part of, um, which I try to f- help to form, we do a purge every month. <laughs> wow. If you haven't spoken for two for two <laughs> weeks, automatically we have a script. It removes you. We don't even we don't even you've even automated. that. yeah, it's automated. It just checks <laughs> okay. to see how many people, how long did you speak, how many people d- spoke in the past. whatever if you've been dormant for two to three weeks, you get automatically purged, mm-hmm. and. The ladies have formed their own. It's actually a full group. You can't get anyone in right now, and they do their own workshop, their own conversations. There they can speak freely. They guide each other, and they only come back to me and say, "Hey, bright, maybe we need ABCD extra help. Can you, can you, come on webinar or what, How do you how do you go about this?" Um, but right now they're self sufficient. They are doing their own things, and then there are other groups that came out of it called WSEC. Um, first women in security and the amazing thing they're doing out there so yeah. there's Africa hack on she hacks another one came up called cyber in Africa it's a younger generation the kids who are doing that cyber in Africa are very young wow. and we now below we've, 20s yeah well, well maybe okay below, <laughs> below 25 maybe you know 25, the 25 is the number we, 25
2: we, was young <laughs> well, very young must be
1: 15 16, 12.
0: yeah actually this kid is he's 21 or 22 right, I think okay. yeah and because we are getting older, and mm-hmm. um, you know, thinking about family and everything, these kids are now having the energy to go to schools and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I can't do that much anymore, uh, as much as I want to. Um, so we've empowered them. We've been working with them together to have conferences. We invite people from all over Africa to speak, from all over the world, and the conferences have been going great. We just need to get more of that out there yeah. and in fact I'm going to meet them today yeah. you know right now just to see how can we change that concept so the women are in there a lot of them are in cybersecurity mm-hmm. space and they're in the business as well and um it's just that we have to see them get out the more yeah. that's excellent
1: mm-hmm. um and you know you, you brought out something again and I wanted to bring it a bit closer home this conversation around whatsapp and signal yeah um what's your comment is, is there? do we need to be worried about that um the, the conversation is you know we've been on whatsapp all the data you wanted to to, to give has yeah. already been given um so so wh- exactly what is it about this you I'm you looking?
0: you've already answered the question mm. privacy is dead let's let's let's, let's get that straight mm. privacy is dead let's not think that anything is going to make it more secure than we are right now mm. there's anything that is free you are the product <laughs> There's something I have to give, you know. So I mean, look at it this way. Um, even if you put your phone off, I mean, there's an, an experiment somebody did, and he did on he he put his phone on airplane mode, and after that decided, you know what? I'm gonna have one phone on airplane mode and one the data off, and he walked around and everything. The phone that was on airplane mode even collected more data than the one that had the data off. Mm-hmm. There's a video going around. There's a video about that. Ah, yes, yes, yes. So. The thing is, your phone will always collect information about you. It will always send it back to somewhere and and you can't stop it really because there's something you have to give. WhatsApp started and everything you, you see, you have conversations there, you start seeing ads on Instagram, you start seeing ads on Facebook according to the kind of conversations you have it there. You start speaking about water right now or pick and peel. Next thing you know, this has already picked that up. The phone has picked that up in the background. And it's processing and it's giving that data out to someone out there to feed you because Facebook and the likes, they make money out of advertisements, Mm -hmm. you know. So they have to get more intelligent data to feed you the right details of what they think you will need. Moving to signal and their likes is going to happen the same way. Mm -hmm. It just can't. Nothing is ever free. (laughs) If it's free. Yeah. You are the, the product.
1: product. That is, that is profound. <laughs> there's, there's, there's also, um, you know, speaking again around um, the evolution of of cybersecurity. Yeah. And how people are actually growing fast. I think this is one of, of those um, careers where you should never be afraid to outlearn yourself. That's true. Um, you should never be afraid to... You know, grow yourself out of your current job. That's true, and, and that's something you
0: do. It's 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 going to change and change. Let me tell you something. And I was in Korea. I used to teach at the place called Bob. It's called Best of the Best. Only sixty students are taking every single cohort for six months incubation, and I used to teach there. And these kids, do you know how old they are? They oldest, nineteen. Wow, nineteen is the oldest. Is the oldest student. Uh-huh. Yeah, these kids are coding and doing crazy hacks, and I'm just there like, what? You know, I, I was, I was mind-blown by such a thing. We have a similar thing here in Kenya called Ikral Innovation Hub, and Ikral takes 60 students. They even pay them to study, and they do that for six months right after fresh graduate from school. So if you've been in the industry, you can't go there. <laughs> you have to be a fresh graduate. And I love that because they, they come out and they work straight in the government. Yes, they go straight into the government to get a job if you pass. So, I teach at ECRAL at as a part of the lecturers at ECRAL. They call us and all on us when this, this, the new cohort comes and everything. And that is where we're going to see things, and people will change from being a technical person to go to governance. And they see people from governance. So, you have to keep on evolving. I was a very technical person, but I had to learn sales to learn how to sell cybersecurity to organizations. Because I understand the environment, I have to do solutions architecting. A solutions architect, before you even develop a solution for people, you have to understand the environment, you have to understand the technologies that exist, you have, must have worked with various solutions to know what you're going to recommend to clients. You can't just wake up and say, install a firewall. What firewall? Why? This table that is in front of us here will not fit into another room in this house because it's too big. It has to do something that can fit, that you can pass beside it or pass through. So you have to constantly being, you have to constantly keep on learning. I right now, I still like to do a few coding here and there. Every presentation that I do, I still do a technical presentation excuse me, even though I'm in sales, you have to keep on evolving. Look at the young ones right now who are doing the same thing I do now. They're they 14 years old, they're 13 years old. What makes you think that you're going to stay the same way for the next few years? They will outdo you? Look at people who are, I'm not saying bad about um, people who are older than me and then head of risks and stuff like that. They'll tell you they've been in the industry for 15 years. But after 15 years, they've learned nothing new. Mm-hmm. Nothing new. So when they hear people like me come in and say, "Ah," and I, I, I have actually been told that there's some people in banks who don't like me when I present to their management because I'm a threat. Mm-hmm. that I can come replace their job. And I have a PhD. Yeah. And I'm like, you see, that PhD wasn't easy to come by. I studied for it. I, I, I did not sleep. <laughs> you know, for four years, it was very difficult for me. But I still have to keep on evolving, uh-huh. understanding skills, understanding solutions, to architecting. I have to keep on learning new tools. Every week, I have to learn a new tool. Every single week. There's no week that comes by that I've not learned anything new. I wake up every, every 3 a.m. in the morning to read something different. I go on Twitter. I have followed the right people. What have, they, what have they done? What are they doing? What script have they written? How does that script run? What is their thought process of being able to evade an antivirus? For example, can I repl- replicate that thing? Will that affect my customers? Can I take it back to them and say, hey, you are going to get affected by this in the next few days and in a few months. You need to change one, two, three, four. That is a solution I've given as a service, not a product. You know, so if I was to stay just saying, ah, we sell firewalls, we do pen testing, we sell this and that, we do ABCD every day, that cannot be the conversation anymore. You have to keep evolving. You have to learn other things. I've taken sales courses. (laughs) I had to go read on LinkedIn. I'm always on LinkedIn reading new posts about how people do, how people behave in their organizations, organizational structure, how do you build teams, how do you retain talent, all of those it's not even cybersecurity, but that's how I get my cybersecurity to keep going as a business.
1: Those are really great nuggets of um, yeah. information. Whether you're a student, whether you're a business owner, um, there's something for you in this conversation, Bright. This yeah. has been a wonderful experience, a wonderful conversation. Um, I think I think there's so much more we can get from you. Yeah. Uh, but for now, we'll stop it there. Thank you. Um, and I'm sure we'll be able to get you back on at some later date for, sure. for different comments um, as we all evolve, as we all grow. Yeah. Um, and you know, let's see what we can do together with African Tool and and um, Africa Hackathon and see yeah. what what you know what can come of it. Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
2: I I'm not gonna add anything. I'm just amazed by the opportunities in the cybersecurity space and. And really, we've, we're really happy to have had you today. Um, Thank you so made much. made it much easier for a lot of our listeners who are looking to go into this space and and even those who are already in the space, just challenge them to, to be better. Yeah. And spoken to senior leaders as well. Yes. Uh, you need to give this guy work. Uh, otherwise, you're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> big trouble, big trouble.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank Great. you so much for having me. Yeah. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Um, I mean, to come to Africa Retool is, is, is not... I mean, I'm, I'm honored to be here. Thank you. And I'm um, hoping that the few information we shared today can be used by everybody out there um, to change lives and uh, get more in the cybersecurity space to get their world secure
1: excellent yeah. thank you thank you so much thank you for listening in go ahead now and subscribe to African Retooled on Apple Podcast Google Podcast or your favorite podcast directory we are excited to hear from you send your comments and questions to African at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter and Instagram on African Retooled. Until then, keep learning, keep growing, keep retooling.